Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore with Martin Carlino. I am Joe Coglin, and we are the co-founders of The Record, NorthShore.org, um, your local um, nonprofit news website that has been launched since that has been around since October, um, entering going uh, about to finish our third month and about to finish the year, and we're in the middle of the holiday season, so busy time for everybody, and of course a busy time for the news. So we got quite a show for you today. Yeah, thanks everyone for joining us once again. And as Joe mentioned, although it's the holiday season, there's certainly no lack of news. It's uh, it's coming at us faster than ever, and we've got a lot of great stories to bring to you uh, on this episode. So here at North Shore News Week, we do our best to summarize the week that was in North Shore News, and we're going to uh, run through, do that in three segments. The first segment is the lead story. The second segment is up and down the shore where we touch on every community we cover. And in the, uh, the third segment is our featured feature. And then we wrap things up for you. So lead story this week, we have local elections. Believe it or not, um, it is election season still, but at the local level. So in December, um, local officials, um, candidates, um, their paperwork was due to file for the April 6th election. So everything from your village board, your park board, um, your townships, all your elected officials at the local level had to submit their uh, paperwork by last by Monday. It was due Monday. And on Tuesday, we put up a story with every race in our coverage area, which includes Wilmette, Winneka, Kenilworth, um, Glencoe, and Northfield, um, and uh, what, what you guys can expect. So we got quite a rundown here. And I'm going to start – um, we can fill in the blanks afterwards. So I'm going to kind of bounce around with some of the most surprising things we learned on Tuesday morning, because on Mon on uh, previous to that, we were, had a story about what we knew already a couple weeks ago, but now we know um, everything that is finalized. So some surprises um, are, we'll start with the Wilmette Park Board. I think Marty and I both find this at least surprising. And I think so do some um, admin staff over there at the Wilmette Park District is there will be nine candidates, nine for, um, I believe, what is uh, four open spots? I believe it might be three even, Joe. I'm confirming that too. I think you're right. Three local spots, nine candidates, and only one is an incumbent, Brian Abbott, um, who's on the board currently. So uh, we got a whole list of names. I'll run through the names real quick. Um, these we just kind of published a summary of what the races will be as of right now. Some things could happen. Some people do have a chance to drop out. There could be some challenges, things like that. But these are everybody who filed legally, um, and we will have profiles coming up in the new year. But we have Patrick Duffy, Andrew Levy, Mark Schumacher, Kara Koslaskis, Rich DeLeo, Walter Keats, Allison Frazier, and Michael Doyle. Very happy those names were relatively easy to pronounce. Um, and they'll join Brian Abbott on the ballot. Nine people uh, for just three seats. Uh, so civic engagement is up. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for you guys to to give the Wilmette voters, Wilmette taxpayers a choice in the and election. We had, we'd even heard report, reports, Joe, that there was going to be more than nine. So nine was maybe even a little bit on the low side, but uh, but still a, a very surprising number nonetheless. But as we've discussed, you and I, you know, local residents care care greatly about uh, park district facilities and everything that goes on um, with with the local parks and the corresponding facilities in their village. Yeah, and, and Wilmette is the most contentious. It is worth noting that out of our um, our governing bodies here, 
um, our towns that we cover, including the township. Um, well, that's the only one that does not have a caucus. So the rest have a caucus who, who basically represent the, uh, the populace and um, make selections for a slate. Um, and usually they're very trusted. Um, and I think they're on the North Shore. So um, Wilmette's are most contentious, not surprisingly, but there will be five residents for three spots on the village board. Uh, Peter Barrow and Kathy Dodd are the incumbents, but joined by Kate uh, Jaya, Jaya, Brian Locke and Justin Shepard. Uh, we're also looking at um, five residents for four seats on the Wilmette Board of Education. Um, Lisa Schneider Faves and John Cesaretti are the um, incumbents, joined by Jane Hong Sisler, Bonnie Kim, and Ann Hart. Um, and there are a couple of incumbents not running. Um, worth noting also that um, on our site, we have all these summarized. We have them broken down by races um, from who's running and who's not, as well as incumbents who aren't. And the library board in Wilmette has six residents for three seats. Uh, Julie Cho, Marianne O'Keefe, Tracy Sommer, Pat, Patricia Nilan, um, Stuart Wolf, and Ronald Rogers are the incumbents. Um, so I guess I probably don't need to read all the names. You can get them there. But very contentious races in Wilmette, including the village presidency, which is two trustees, Santa Plunkett versus Joel Kurzman. So Wilmette residents, you'll, you'll, we'll hook you up with a bunch of details on who these people are. But you're going to have a, a task at hand selecting your next leaders in town. Quite the packed ballot for sure. Quite the packed ballot for sure in Wilmette. And uh, as we continue to move forward here, Joe, we'll see that it's pretty packed throughout all of our, our coverage areas. And you'll get to some of the more surprises as opposed to the article that we had um, the previous week that, that sort of detailed what we were suspect, suspecting, I should say. But one of the, the big surprises on my end is uh, in Northfield where we thought we were going to get a contested race for the village presidency. Yeah, exactly. And, and Joan Frazier, the um, current village president, um, was not slated by the caucus. Uh, she was passed over for trustee uh, Greg Lungness. Um, but she told us specifically she was going to run an independent campaign. Um, and she, you know, she sounded confident. And sure enough, when the, uh, the filing names came out, she was not on there. So she did confirm she did end up uh, changing course there and will not run. So um, uh, as of right now, um, Northfield slated, Northfield Cox's slated candidate, Greg Lungness, will run unopposed. Um, in Kenilworth, the Kenilworth uh, Citizens Advisory Committee um, slated Cecilia Kaz, but she will face an independent um, as well in um, Paul O'Connor. So we're going to have some uh, a contentious election there. Um, we're going to have a contentious election um, for the new Trier School, school Board as Julie Cho and uh, Dr. Chad Padromos um, will challenge the slated field of Keith Roden, Kim Alcantara, uh, Avik Das, and Sally Tomlinson. So, uh, like I said, take a look at this story. There's way more here, and you can take a look at every race from every community. But those are some of just the headlines leading the way, some things that were surprising to us. And, uh, yeah, election season never stops. Enjoy your holidays, but then don't worry. We'll have plenty more election coverage, candidate profiles, and things like that coming up in the new year. That's our lead story here this week at the record North Shore. Um, now we're going to go to up and down the shore where we just, we start with Glencoe, work our way down to Wilmette and touch on every story. So we're going to start in Glencoe. Um, and actually this is a story for, for everybody. We, uh, we did another wrap up of um, another uh, data, data analysis on the local level of COVID-19. So just 
what it means, what's the latest. And really, it's pretty good news. And Marty and I have been talking a lot about um, hope on the horizon. Um, and it seems there is the, the, the uh, positivity rate is down. Um, the rate per 100,000 is down. And we're talking about way down. These are pretty deep dives. And obviously, um, a lot of people expected a hike through the holidays. Um, and we might still see that. But it wasn't the big hike as uh, people thought after Thanksgiving. And even the better news is we now have vaccines and several of them on the way and already being distributed. So very positive news in that regard. And hopefully as these next uh, weeks and months move forward, we'll, we'll start to see those numbers uh, even downtick further. Yeah. And those vaccines have arrived at local hospitals uh, with North Shore University Health Systems in, uh, in Glenview specifically, as well as Evanston. So um, good news, good news. Um, that is Glencoe. We're going to hop one down to Winneka, where we have a pretty big development. I shouldn't say development, redevelopment, repurposing um, coming up that's going to, um, that matters to a lot of people. Yeah, this story got a lot of attention, Joe. It was posted at the end of uh, last week, and deservedly so. I mean, it's, a, it's a something that, that's very close to a lot of our residents' hearts, um, probably. But the next phase of uh, Nutra High School's 15 year facility plan was presented to the Board of Education. Uh, December 14th and the phase that uh, that is going on that is going to be happening soon is going to be targeting the east side of the Winnetka campus and I'm sure when I say that many of our listeners know that that is a part of the campus that includes the Gates Gymnasium and the facilities around Gates Gymnasium um, so officials are looking at ways to potentially reimagine that facility because uh, it's clear that that an analysis that the district uh, has done and some some work that they've they've put into the facility recently, they have determined that it's just uh, not going to be able to best fulfill the, the needs of the students moving forward. And the, obviously the growing enrollment and uh, the, the population at, at Nutrier has continued to increase. So that facility was built in the first built in the 1920s, Joe, and it, it's, it's starting to date. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of problems with some of the ancillary areas around the gym, the, the weight rooms, the indoor tracks, some of the classrooms. Um, that are included in that side of the building. And the, the Board of Education now is starting to look at options um, for all kinds of, of varying degrees for that facility. And some of those options are keep it the same with some, some maintenance, some smaller level maintenance. Uh, and then some of the options on the, on the wider end of the scale involve potentially tearing down the facility and building a new uh, facility for kinetic wellness and uh, all basketball and sporting events and, and volleyball and all those great indoor sports. So it's, it's in the very preliminary stages right now, but it seems like the, the most interest from, from school officials and the Board of Education is that uh, the best option in terms of uh, the financial future of the district and the, the option that will best serve students for the next decades and, and potentially even longer than that is to uh, tear down the facility. So we're going to get more information at the, at the start of the new year, Joe, and it's next going to make its way to a Board of Education workshop in early January where we'll get some, some more concrete details on what uh, exactly the options are and what are the costs with those options and what each individual op option is going to offer and the cost that's going to come with it. Yeah, Marty, as you mentioned, so a lot of, a lot of history there, but also a lot of issues um, logistically and otherwise. So stay tuned to the record and Marty's coverage of Gates Gymnasium. Um, and now we go down another town to Hap Road. Believe it, it is not believe it or not, it is the holiday season, and we do have plenty of good cheer to spread with our with some of our work. 
Um, and we got this story about uh, a lights display on Hap Road. Yeah, a great holiday lights display in the 600 block of, of Hap Road, Joe and Northfield. And uh, we had our freelance reporter, Alan P. Henry, write a great story. And I had a chance to check it out myself to get some photos. Uh, and it's over 5,000 lights that are all synchronized to holiday music. Um, and if you want to watch the whole show, it actually lasts about close to an hour. So a lot of variety, a lot of great lights. But the, uh, the takeaway from this story is, is that a Nutra High School um, sophomore and his family kick-started this, uh, this display in order to raise funds for the Angel Man Syndrome Foundation, um, which is a, a neurological disability that uh, one of their family that one of their family members suffers from. So they're raising funds for the foundation. Last time I checked, they raised over $1,200 so far. So great start. Um, you can get the link to the GoFundMe page they're using for, for donations on the store in our website. So uh, an awesome holiday light display raising, raising funds for a good cause. Yeah, very cool story. Check that out while you can. We also have a couple other stories holiday themed. Um, so get you in the, the Christmas spirit this week. So check them out. Um, we'll go down another down to Kenilworth. Um, another, some more development coverage by Marty, who's all over this. Yeah, another big potential facility project uh, in, in Kenilworth, Joe. And what Kenilworth School District 38 is hoping to do um, is reimagine Joseph Sears School. So at their Board of Education meeting on December 14th, the board approved the district's master facilities plan. And what that plan details is uh, an extensive series of, of renovations and updates at Joseph Sears. So some of those updates are a, a new addition that would create a, a student common areas uh, similar to what Nutra High School has, um, a, a, a new library, some, some new outdoor play spaces, a new uh, cafe gymnasium, a hybrid space that would offer uh, a mixed use with the park district as well. So a lot, a lot went into that master facilities plan and a lot of updates are proposed for, for Joseph Sears and uh, from the financial perspective, it's uh, district officials are estimating it could cost up to $25 million um, over the series of maybe close to 10 years. So those improvements, those improvements that I mentioned are going to be done in phases and work on the fit on the first phase, which is a lot of the infrastructure and behind the scenes stuff that we don't necessarily see is already underway. So they're estimating that some of those additions and alterations to the existing school that I mentioned could take place in 2021 and potentially be finished by 22 or 23. So those changes are going to be happening um, in the very near future. And it, it's exciting for a, for a school that hasn't had a major capital investment like this in a long time. Yeah, definitely exciting. And uh, again, more to come on that. So stay tuned. Um, <clears throat> down one more town, our final town, we're going to go to Wilmette. Some, um, some more tough COVID news, um, COVID-related news, I should say. Another local business, the Wilmette Wine Cellar, will close at the end of the year. A popular, um, not just shop, bottle and, bottle and can shop, but also a, a hangout, a gathering spot. They did wine tastings. It was really a unique business um, in downtown Wilmette and in, in the area in general. Um, but um, as, as owner Tom Boyle said, um, you know, it really – Felt like he was fighting with one arm tied behind his back because a big part of the business was the social gathering and the, the tastings and the seminars as he would talk about the wines they were getting and, and uh, teach about them. So um, they couldn't do that in this atmosphere. A lot of times people would come in and buy a bottle and stay, um, but obviously not in the cards. And um, that really hurt the business. And they will close at the end of the year. 
Um, so check out the full story on that. It is the third downtown Wolmet business that is has left downtown um, in 2020, along with 120-year-old dry cleaner Schultz and Oldeners, as well as Nick's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, which actually sold to Pit and Tap. Um, so some some new business coming on the horizon with restaurants obviously struggling. Um, that's nice to see. Also nice to see uh, another story we're cheating. We're going to do two out of Wilmette here is a, is a little promotion, a little um, initiative by an 11-year-old in Wilmette. Gabby White started something called Wilmette Dines Out. Um, and it's about, um, it's basically pushing residents to um, carry out, dine out, eat out at least once a week. Um, so, and she's basically doing this all on social media and through her inner circles and spreading the word. Um, she's walking the walk as well, going to these businesses and, and getting, uh, taking photos, hanging um, flyers in the doorway and on the, on the windows, a lot, a lot of great stuff and a really awesome local story to see. Yeah. Really cool stuff from an 11 year old taking this initiative to do an initiative. So check it out. Um, that story's uh, Will Matt Dines out. You can check them out on Instagram as well. Um, and that is up and down the shore. Our second segment, um, is done. So thank you for listening to that. Um, we're going to move on to our featured feature of the week, the fan favorite featured feature. Um, and, uh, we're talking about disc golf. That's right. Disc we golf. Got a, we got a doozy for you this we week, everyone in featured you. feature. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I'm going <laughs> to take you inside this story. So I was going through some documents for a park board meeting and found, um, a resident, Isaac Getz, uh, proposed pretty, pretty well done proposal um, from a resident just about disc golf and how we're bringing it to Gilson Park. So I started down the rabbit hole of disc golf in Wilmette and it led, it was deep. It, it just kept like the rabbit hole. It kept going and going and going. Uh, and I remember I kept telling Marty, like, uh, you know, Marty's like, Can it, is it ready for an edit? I'm like, no, I, I got like two more interviews now after it kept going. So pretty cool stuff here. Wilmette actually was uh, has a very historic place in, in the in the story of disc golf as it was uh, the first course at Gilson Park was the first one in the Midwest one of the first in the country um, thanks to um, a few guys really um, on uh, Highland Avenue who enjoyed playing with a frisbee so we have the story of those guys those kind of pioneers John Connolly Alan Burke Alan Blake um, and some of the guys they ended up forming separate story guys so I'm a little tributary here um they ended up forming the highland avenue aces who played competitively a bunch of games including something called guts and were international champions that's a different game but they were kind of instrumental in um the notoriety of frisbee the promotion of frisbee and it kind of led to the course um being developed in gilson park because they knew that um these guys were getting popular and that it would be a popular thing for locals and it was very popular in 1977 is when they put it in place. Soon they had 2,000 um, participants per week walking Gilson Park. And, uh, but uh, eventually that many people kind of were the downfall of it as well as neighbors complained. Um, and I actually, after this story, a little extra interview, I, I got a call back from a former, the former president of the board who was instrumental in bringing um, disc golf, Bill Lambrick. And he said, you know, they really tore up the, the grass there and the ground. It was all, the course was all around the park. And uh, you could kind of tell just by looking where the course was because uh, the ruts and the grass and everything. So that was a big reason for it kind of demise. It went from nine holes and then it was gone. 
Um, there's also a course at Highcrest, uh, which was gone eventually as well. Um, so it's got the whole history. We got it in here. It's a pretty cool story. Um, if there is a disc golf in the future, it's in the very early stages of development, just really a, a seed of an idea at this point that um, the park district, Steve Wilson over there, the executive director said they are considering and they'll look into all the details and see if it fits. So very early, but a cool story about disc golf in Wilmette. And that is our featured feature. That's our three segments through. Um, we had some big stories this week, so thanks for hanging with us. Check out everything, um, uh, all the stories through and through. There's a lot more detail on the recordnorthshore.org. But always before we go, we like to, uh, like to point you ahead to what might be coming up. Yeah, Joe, we'll have a story coming up um, about a new eatery that's coming into Plaza del Lago. And the interesting thing to uh, – in comparison to what we mentioned earlier about some downtown businesses and Wilmette closing, since the start of the, pan since the, start of the pandemic, we've had uh, four new restaurants open in Wilmette, and this is going to be the fourth one, Cluckers Chicken. So we'll have a little profile on a new business that will be coming in shortly to Plaza del Lago. Uh, and then we're also going to have a, another feature story from Alan Henry, a longtime Northfield employee who worked for the village for almost four decades, and he just retired. So nice little holiday feel-good story for, for our readers out there. Yeah, so check those out through the holiday season. We'll have stories posted throughout um, this week and the weekend. And uh, you can check them all out. Send us all any news tip you might have, any story leads. Send them to newsroom at therecordns.org. And that's it for us this week, guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you enjoy it um, as much as you can in this COVID atmosphere. But um, I bet you can if you try. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening.